Blog Talk Radio. From the IMLD Home Studio, in its seventh season, this is, in much less detail, the podcast, where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. With your hosts, Jay and Dre. Oh, this is familiar feeling. On a Wednesday night, we're checking in for a little football party action, a little pre-Thanksgiving football party. We are live. You are listening to In Much Less Detail, the podcast, here with you live on a Wednesday night, November the 27th, 2019. I'm Dre. He's Jay. Thank you for joining us the day before the Turkey Day. Everyone around the country getting ready for the big holiday tomorrow. Some of you experiencing much worse weather than others, but wherever you are, hope you're warm and toasty and settled in and ready to enjoy our football show, recapping last weekend, week 12 in the NFL, and at the end of the show, making our triple gobble picks, our three picks for tomorrow's Thanksgiving NFL action. And that'll be about it for me. I went four and 10 last week and Jason went eight and six. So I will now shut up for the next 90 minutes and let Jason speak. Go ahead. All I have to say is it's good to be back. It's nice to be back in the competition after a three week stretch there where I felt like I couldn't pick a football game to save my life. And uh, I think you now have that feeling. I think I've transferred that feeling onto you. Um, making back half my deficit up these last two weeks. But, uh, yeah, in a, in, a, in a nice big way this last week, um, being on the right side of a lot of picks, a lot of blowouts. So I'm sure, you know, I'm, I'm thinking more about what you're trying to, you know, unpack from all this and what you're trying to think about being on, on the wrong side, especially of those Sunday and Monday night games. Um, wow. Um, not close. Both, not even close. <laughs> but we talked about it last week that sometimes those are the ones you want to lose, right? The game that you can turn off at halftime and be like, yep, that's over. Yes. The Monday night game. I was so done with that very early. Like it was clear that the Rams were not in the house, right. in the building on the planet. They they just weren't there at all. And, and the Ravens were all the way live. So yeah, that was easy to, to shut off. Which and which which made it even sweeter, being that was my lock of the week after you had already dropped your lock um, on Sunday, and I, I had to wait all the way until Monday night to see if I could now jump one ahead of you. So I've made up two locks on you in the last two weeks as well, to now go one up, and also cut the season deficit back down to five games. Which in in the way we do this, five games is pretty minuscule. Uh, once it comes to playoff time. So it, it's pretty close right now. And uh, I, I feel good after dropping, basically dropping 10 games over a three-week span after we were dead even. And uh, to now at least, you know, take a big chunk of the lead back, doing a little better on the locks the last couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, I, I was I was watching. You were having one of my weeks where you just, you just couldn't be on the right side of anything. And uh, – I know that feeling. 
I know that feeling. We got hooked by the Steelers. Um, the Bears gave up a garbage time touchdown to, to cost you that pick. Ugh. Yeah, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of results that could have gone could have gone, could've gone uh, the wrong way for you, and they did. I, I feel it. I'm I'm feeling your pain. I'm not going to gloat too much because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm still five down. Yeah, for the season, um, I was trying to fly above 500 for a, a little while there for the last couple of weeks, and that just came crashing right back below 500. So now I'm at 85, 88, and three. You are, as you said, five games behind me at 80, 93, and three. Uh, catching up. I had a two or three week stretch where I extended out and, and put a, a pretty big lead out there and thought that I was on my way to sort of trying to run away with this. And that's not the case. You have definitely made up a lot of ground uh, in the last couple of weeks. I felt like this week was we both were trying to dip our toe in the pool of pulling some surprise picks and some upsets. Uh, I remember that we had a few games that we both agreed on uh, that we both had as upsets and we're kind of surprised that the other one was going with uh, the same pick. The yeah. difference, the reason our, our records were so different is because I went a little too far with that. And I picked a whole <laughs> lot of, of other games uh, for, uh, for upsets that, Oh, I'm really going to go off the wall. I really see a, a whole lot of uh, bigger efforts being put forth by these underdogs and hell it's been a year for underdogs. It really has. Uh, if you go by the, the point spread numbers, the, the dogs have been barking this season. Uh, but they were not barking in, in, in this week, in, in week 12. And so I, I went a little too far trying to pick some of these, these upsets, and it, it didn't work out for me at all, not by a long shot, especially my lock. Yeah, I, I, I was a little uh, puzzled by the locking up of the Miami Dolphins, especially as I went back and I listened to last week's show. And I don't know if you were just trying to throw me off the scent, but you completely crapped all over the Miami Dolphins in the mm-hmm. recap of week 11 and then turned right around and, and took them as your lock. And, and I goes, I, I raised an eyebrow. I was like, really? You, you want to do, okay. You got some balls, man. You want to, you want to roll with the Miami Dolphins? Go ahead. And uh, Cleveland, Cleveland answered the bell. Uh, they hung a number on them. Miami tried. Uh, they tried to get back under that number a bunch of times, but they just kept. They just couldn't stop letting Cleveland score points. Yeah, that's the only explanation I have for for my Dolphin love. It wasn't so much the Dolphins' love; it was Brown Fever hate. It was just the the sort of the visceral reaction to seeing that Cleveland Browns outfit as comical and stupid as they've been all year as a ten and a half point favorite over anybody. I just was like, no, not only that, but coming off the whole uh, Miles Garrett situation and that whole distraction and as if this team was uh, not, you know, as as if they weren't undisciplined enough. uh, Now we got that. And I just figured that they would come out with their head, you know, not ready at all. Their heads all over the place from, from a week, uh, a week and a half of being discussed and and dissected and talked about in the media. And I just thought the the dolphins were ready to, to catch them and pounce on them. And that's what I get for for thinking too much about it. And yeah, that just I, I found a way to keep the the Miami decline going. I did love the the Miami decline starting against Buffalo, and that was true. I wasn't trying to throw anybody off. That was uh, real. That was really how I felt. I just 
felt stronger about the the Browns decline and, and wanted to really sort of lock that in and hey that's how you keep the, the a decline going is lock in that team uh, to to turn it around and make sure that they keep that downfall going as we know me locking in a team this year is pretty much the, the kiss of death yeah our locks haven't been our locks haven't been the best i believe i am at 7 and 5 now on locks does that sound right no, you're one up on me, so I got five and you got six. Six. Okay, six. That's right, because the last show got me to tied with you at five and six, so now I am six and six on my lot. Woo! Yeah. Okay. Yeah, better than five and seven, that's all I can say. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, we, we keep this thing tight, you know, that, that little extra sweetening the pot of that playoff point. You never know. It's, I don't think it's ever factored into a final result, but – you do this long. You do this long enough. It's going to happen. It does make things a little tighter. It does make things interesting at the start of the playoffs. Yeah, uh, you just get that little extra bump. The extra killer about how bad I've been on locks this year is my secondary lock all year long has always been the one. Like every week, the the game that I come out and say, you know, oh. I really wanted to lock this one in, but I'm going to go with this other one. And so this past week, again, I really wanted to lock in the Dallas Cowboys to go up to New England and, and cover the, the six-point spread and, and also win the game. And even though they didn't win, of course, very famously, they managed to cover the spread because of uh, your favorite coach, Jason Garrett, and his decision-making uh, to kick a field goal down seven, uh, even though there was no real hope of, of Dallas scoring a touchdown later on, getting the ball back and scoring a touchdown. But I, I kind of uh, dirtied the water there a little bit. I meant to ask you how you felt about that decision uh, because the commentary at the time uh, during the game was, oh, this is an awful decision. You're down there. You're near the goal line, uh, and, and it's, it's fourth down. You're down seven. There was enough time left, like it was about six minutes left, maybe more, that it's plausible and even uh, expect expect it in in sort of the old school days of watching football where we were growing up in the 80s and 90s kind of expected that you kick the field goal and go get a defensive stop and get the ball back with a chance for the last minute uh, drive to to win the game but in this day and age I guess the analytics are saying you're already there in touchdown range you go you go for it on fourth down and try to get that seven now because you may not make it back again and as it turned out they didn't but uh, what were your thoughts on on that decision by Jason Garrett? From a score standpoint, in the game at thirteen to six, with as little you know under half the fourth quarter left, it didn't make sense to me to kick the field goal because it didn't put them in a position that they could go down and kick another field goal. It's not like you're down six, right? You're down seven, you're gonna need seven somewhere, right? And that's true. Like you said, you're already there. You haven't really been there for most of the game. And it didn't it didn't make sense to me um, to, to to bypass that and go for the field goal. And Jason Garrett has been getting pretty well trashed this week, as he should. He's not a very good coach um, for the level of talent that's on that roster. I think the Patriots were given a huge gift from the gods with all the rain uh, in that game. So I think they get to skate by again, even though they were, you know, on, on paper or on a neutral field. They are no, nowhere near close to being the uh, – the best team on that field or having the most talent, but this is, this is what we talked about. I believe when we made the pick again was you've got Bill Belichick and that team and they just know what to do. 
against Jason Garrett and the Dallas Cowboys team that unfortunately thinks the talent alone is enough to show up and win football games. Yeah, I still did not hate the decision to to, to take the field goal. Um, and I, and I, but I'm not gonna like have a fight or an argument with anybody who says it was the wrong decision. I, I, I definitely see the point that you that you made, especially about the the point situation where you're down seven and if you kick a field goal, you still need a touchdown uh, to yeah. win the game because you, you're not gonna have enough possession to kick two more field goals. So yeah, I, I recognize that. I guess my argument back was like I already said uh, in the old days, you definitely kicked that field goal. And still, you and have sort of a pump up session with your defense and say, okay, go get the fucking stop, and we're going to get the ball back and and have the game winning possession to get the touchdown to win the game. That's how they used to do it, and and now the analytics do do show. And I'm you know I'm an I'm an analytics guy as far as I understand that more data is good. A lot of people are afraid of data because they don't understand it, and so they just take the analytics and say, ah, hell with the analytics, throw that shit out. I'm not one of those guys, but in this scenario, uh, I, I kind of wanted to go back old school a little bit and go, Hey, our, it's up to our defense now to make a stop and, and go ahead and get the ball back for us. And it's, it's exacerbated by my lack of respect for the, uh, this year's version of the new England Patriots offense, because the, the offense that you're talking about stopping and, and getting the ball back one more time that's not the old New England Patriots that you're talking about. Oh, let's go get a stop against Tom Brady. That sounds like such a daunting task. But this year, the Patriots are, uh, at least after that game, uh, 17th in overall offense in the NFL. I don't think at all it's too much to ask your defense to go out and stop the 17th-ranked offense in bad weather with stuff flying around all over the place, wind flying everywhere. I don't think that's too much to ask to go get a stop. Uh, it might have been too much to ask your offense to go back after that and, and go get the touchdown to win the game. And as it turned out, it was too much. Uh, but I, I didn't hate that decision. There's a lot of things to hate Jason Garrett for. I didn't hate that decision necessarily. And we both should be happy that he made it anyway because it gave us the cover. Right. Yeah, we'll take that. We You needed all the wins you could get, and it was nice to get that one. And Right, if he didn't do that again, against three. <laughs> yeah, the Patriots skate by on – you know, another another close win last week at Philly and this week home against Dallas and the slop. And, they, you know, you, you can't take it away from them. What is it, 17 straight seasons they've won 10 games or more? Yeah, that, that's amazing. Broke, broke the that's... NFL record. Um, yeah. There's no way I would take away from Including from that. a it's... season in the middle of all that where Tom Brady didn't even play. Yes, the, the Jack Brisket, Janine Garoppolo season. That's, oh, the, the, very Matt, much no, the Matt Castle season. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. When I, Tom Brady actually missed the whole season, and we had Matt Castle, right. I believe, go 11-5, and five, and they missed the playoffs. That's, that's true. I, I do remember that. I was confusing that with the Tom Brady suspension season. Yeah, the where suspension he missed four year games. where they went 3-1 and one with uh, Jake Brisket and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. So, Which yeah, they, they, this is, is a team amazing. that – even even a team that's wounded and you think there's blood in the water is fine is finding a way. Now it will be if if New England goes on to go and win the Super Bowl again. I don't know if I could handle that because they're clearly, <laughs> you know, it's basically just because they know the winning recipe or they have the formula. Because this is not a great team. I know it's a ten and one team, but 
you know, they beat a lot of really bad teams early. And lately they've been just kind of catching some breaks and coming up against teams and just holding them down. Well, we'll we see saw who what comes happened in. when they played a hot team and when they played Baltimore and Baltimore ran them out of the building. Right. Just, well, and Baltimore's running through everybody apparently. Right. Um, but yeah, well, it, it, if the, the this is going very much forward and projecting, but if the Patriots do make it back to the Super Bowl, uh, it's of course also going to very much depend on who they draw, because their last two Super Bowl wins were over teams that had varying degrees of performance in the game, but the common factor was neither one of them had a clue what they were doing at the Super Bowl. Like they had no experience right. in, in that kind of environment. The Falcons, uh, who had the twenty to three lead, sorry. Um, and the Rams last year, who had no idea what they were doing at all from from the get go. So if they get if they draw another team in, uh, on the NFC side that you know just happy to be there and and really don't know what to do in the, in a big moment in a big game situation, and yeah, I, I guess they could win another championship. I cannot imagine it happening again. But stranger things have happened. No, it would be very nice to see them eliminated and and to see somebody else. Um... <laughs> I mean, there, there are definitely some contenders in the AFC. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see. They've got a, an interesting game here this week, right? They go to Houston. Uh, we'll, we'll be picking that one on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely there's, there's good games on the schedule. We got the what, we got you know Niners and and Ravens, and uh, there's another team, yeah, San that's Francisco. The one. San Francisco, what they did to the Packers, um, yeah, was just that was just a brutalization. Of, of that Packers offense, then they made Aaron Rodgers look very pedestrian for a, a the vast majority of that game. The, that Packers offense just could not get anything going. And I believe the Packers, you know, we, we've said they could be had on the ground. Apparently they have issues covering tight ends too, because George Kittle abused the hell out of them. And most teams are, would have a, tr- a problem covering George Kittle. My yes. issue was that uh, the the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan did a great job of disguising just how healthy or unhealthy George Kittle was. I had no idea all the way up to game time if he was even going to play. They just would not indicate one way or another uh, how healthy right. he was or, or if he was even going to be activated. And he, not only was he activated, but he looked pretty damn healthy out there. Um, so I, I'm not going to make it the excuse that if I knew he was up, I wouldn't have picked Green Bay because I probably still would have picked Green Bay because I was just looking for some some edges and some upsets last week. Um, and I also probably still would have picked the Rams over Baltimore, uh, even with Marquise uh, Brown, Hollywood Brown. I didn't know uh, I didn't have a beat on his, his health. And he wound up uh, playing and, and having a pretty good day himself with a couple of touchdowns. So, right. Uh, but yeah, the, I'm not going to make the excuse and say I was going to go the other way. But right. I, I yeah, did would acknowledge that considering that the combined scores of those teams were 82 to 14. Yeah, but but I did acknowledge how uh, important George Kittle was, and yes. that would have would have been a really big deal if he didn't play. And uh, but I don't think it would have been a different result. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you wouldn't have teams. looked at George Kittle going. Yeah, I see George Kittle's going to play, and the Packers are going to lose by almost 30. <laughs> no, I, I didn't see that coming. I mean, uh, all I can say is Aaron Rodgers was on that, that heater uh, a few weeks ago where he couldn't do anything wrong, and he, he's not on that heater anymore. It, it, no. I guess it comes and goes at that age, but uh, it, it's gone right now, and I don't know if it's going to return, but 
uh, he definitely did not look like what he's looked like all year long. And the 49ers have a lot to do with that. I was, uh, imp- I don't, you know, I haven't seen much 49ers football this year. I was very impressed by the the team speed, by the defense's uh, speed, uh, the way they got around to every ball, the way they, they pressured and got to Aaron Rodgers. I was also pointing out how the Packers' offensive line has been rating pretty well in protection this year uh, compared to other years, and they did not rate well in this game in protecting Aaron Rodgers. So uh, got back to some old habits of, of letting Aaron get brutalized and Aaron himself having some issues letting go of the football and holding on a little bit too long and, and doing his uh, best Deshaun Watson impersonation. So pretty much a, a team collapsing all around there by the Packers. Yeah. And, you know, and that was sort of what I was taking away from this game. It was, it was the kind of pick where you were tri- trying to pick on two teams here that you weren't really sure about. You know, I wasn't very confident in green Bay, the way they had played four out of the last five weeks or so where I thought they kind of skated by and we, you know, they had a, a lucky win. They had a ref assisted win with the Detroit game. Uh, Carolina came really close, almost infinitesimally small amount of uh, field between Christian McCaffrey and the football and the goal line to stop that from uh, possibly going to overtime if they were able to then convert. And, uh, you know, a Raiders team that went up there and ran all over them. And then just, you know, Derek Carr decides to throw the ball out of the end zone, which is the Derek Carr way. It just <laughs> unimpressive wins and going, going West, you know, and they went to, they went to uh, LA and they played the chargers and got just crushed. I just had that weird feeling, you know, I, we'd seen the Niners take biz, take care of business at home. Um, the Niners are a overtime loss away from being perfect right now. They're, they've they've played very good. I mean, but we just hadn't seen them beat the quality of the opponents. Right. And Green Bay came in as a very quality opponent, and they were up for it. And I, I full credit to San Francisco. That offense is incredibly balanced. It start, you know, this hey, does this look a little like that Atlanta offense did that went to the Super Bowl the, uh... with all this? You know, all that balance. Hey, there's Tevin Coleman. He was on that team. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, a lot of play action, one of the best play action teams in the league because they are so dedicated to the run and they run the ball well. Green Bay doesn't stack up well against the run, which then made them very susceptible to the play action. And it just did, it went off the rails quick. And Aaron Rodgers was just, he was not up to it. And yeah, that was, uh, we thought that was going to be the blowout of the week, but oh boy, we weren't <laughs> ready for what the Ravens did to the Rams on on Monday night, and, and they beat the Rams in L.A. and made it look easy. Yeah, L.A. just didn't show up. I mean, and, no. and it's it's very hard to show up when the other team comes out the way Baltimore did and just impose their will in every way. Like everything you do, Los Angeles. We are going to counter it as if we know what the play is. And we're the, the Ravens are playing on such a high level, and their confidence is just as high as their play. So what that results in is everything they do, not only is it executed uh, perfectly right now, but they do it with, with an edge and with a swagger. Like, we're going to do this, and you can't stop it, and we know you can't stop it, and we're just going to laugh at you when you try to stop it. And Lamar Jackson is – throwing five touchdown passes and and running whenever he wants to still. He got one of those hits in that game that you've been talking about and waiting for. And he he 
popped up from it this time. I, I, you know, you know, you you keep insisting there's going to come a time where he doesn't pop up from it. I, I understand uh, that that's definitely a risk, but uh, he, he hasn't been caught yet as, as far as like the, the big knockout blow. Uh, and the way they're playing, you know, he, he he's playing as if he doesn't think it's ever going to happen, which is maybe extra dangerous. But uh, so far, so good right now. They're, they're as, as good as it gets at the moment. Yeah, and to see, uh, you know, the other thing of note, and I hadn't watched a ton of Baltimore football, you know, and what I was also impressed by was how much contribution they got from Mark Ingram in that game. And I think the running lanes open up because of the fear of Lamar Jackson just tucking that thing and running. And if you're a defensive coach and you're trying to scheme for these guys, what do you do? And what you, what you did was you stacked the box. You're stacking the box against a running quarterback. And we're watching Lamar Jackson grow in that position because he is, he's able to throw the football. Doesn't look pretty, but he's throwing it accurately. And the guys that he's finding are so wide open. Yeah, that's um, the key. There's so much confusion in the defense that he was hitting guys that were completely uncovered for the majority of that game and coming up with big throws. So, yeah, they they are firing on all cylinders right now. That's the key. He's He doesn't have to throw into tight windows or display any uh, big-time accuracy because they're scheming it up so well that guys are just springing off of each other uh, and rub routes and, and picks or whatever you want to call it and just springing wide, wide open. And he's just throwing the ball to these guys that are just, you know, standing there waiting and, and check the kettle and uh, just waiting for the ball to get there because there's nobody, there's no defenders anywhere near him. Um, and it does start off with putting so many in the box. It's going to be hard to get out and, and cover any receivers uh, when you got so many guys crowding up, trying to, trying to stop that run. Um, and yeah, Mark Ingram, you know, we saw that in new Orleans, of course, that sometimes he has those games where he just runs so hard and you can't do anything with him. He's just a freight train. Um, and, and Monday night was definitely one of those games. So when you got that working, and then you turn around and, and unleash uh, Lamar with the with the RPO and, and uh, the choices that he's making, and he's making the, all the right choices right now. And when he lets it go, the guys are wide open and ready to catch it. Yeah, what do you, what do, you do? How do you stop that? I, I don't know how you do that. Yeah, especially against a Rams team that had to win. Uh, you, you get that impression now that the NFC, it's, it's all over but the seeding. I, I don't know who is going to eclipse the Niners, the Seahawks, the Packers, the Vikings um, for the for a playoff spot right now. I, I just don't have a clue. No, uh, I, I definitely agree. I don't think the Eagles are going to make it as a wild card. I was expecting them to turn it around and start making a push, and that's that's not going to happen. The way they're playing, no, that's, two, it, that's two straight duds. That's two straight duds yeah. for your resurgent, quote-unquote, resurgent Eagles. Um, 19 points in two games. Ugh. At no. home. At home. Not going to get it done. And it's, it's Carson Wentz the and wet- AP talk, that died down after about, what, week two? <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to win an MVP when you don't have – too many guys uh, helping you out uh, skill position wise. And in this particular game against the Seahawks, for whatever reason, maybe it was the weather, the wind uh, or whatever. I don't know why, but Carson Wentz was horribly inaccurate in this game. So this was also on him that these other games uh, previously that they've been losing uh, with, with Nelson Aguilar dropping balls and, and other guys not performing well for him. 
you can look at the surrounding cast and point the fingers at them and, and still point to Carson Wentz having a high level of, of, of play, a high quality of play. And in this game, it was everybody. He, he played like shit. His, his uh, receivers played like shit. His running backs played like shit. Uh, everybody, it was a team effort in, in collapsing in that game. And they kept having opportunities too, because it's not like the Seahawks were uh, just putting up 35 points or anything like that, but they couldn't take advantage. They had, so many sequences, uh, one in the third quarter that was for the first time it made me realize Philly can't get out of their own way. They're not going to win this game because they can't even uh, they can't get anything done right now. Uh, it was the, the first Philly drive uh, of the second half in the third quarter. Uh, the the O line finally started getting some push for uh, Miles Sanders to to get some run room. Uh, they had an RPO to, to Zach Ertz. They had an inside flip to, to Dallas Goddard, the other tight end. Um, but then it started to bog down. They had uh, a screen got altered by the, the pressure that they were getting and got to third down. Wins hits this rookie uh, Arcega Whiteside, or Artega Whiteside, however you pronounce it, goes back to Ertz on first down. Um, and then they had a cross up on third down at the mesh point where. Uh, Sanders and, and Wentz kind of fumble and bobble it around and Seattle recovers that fumble and ends the drive right there. And it's like, God, they just, they had so many chances to, that was the first time they really got some sustained momentum going on a drive and wind up fumbling it away. And that's pretty much how the rest of the second half went was they would get a little momentum and find a little yardage and then something would happen and it would get bogged down or, uh, Wentz would have a really, really inaccurate throw over someone's head. Uh, God, he was missing guys by like five or ten yards. Uh, it was, it was just a terrible uh, effort all around. So I don't know what the Eagles. This is, this is another game. I was very happy and excited to pick Philadelphia based on uh, Alshon Jeffrey coming back and and having some sort of third down possession target because because the Phillies, uh, the Phillies, the Eagles really need someone to, to catch the ball on third down. All the other guys that they've been trying can't do it. The, the Aguilar, uh, Artsega, Whiteside, Jordan Matthews, who was so bad he got cut after this game. Um, all these other targets could not get it done. And then uh, Jeffrey comes up uh, in pain or something before the game starts, and he winds up deactivated as well. And it's like, oh, my God. So I, I kind of had a bad feeling. I didn't change. I, I really considered uh, – going on Twitter and changing the pick once I found out that he was going to be deactivated. And of course I should have done it, but I didn't, but yeah, the, the Eagles are pretty much fucked right now. Yeah. I mean, you, you were, I don't think anybody was more, uh, more sure of the fact that the Eagles were primed to go on a big run here than you were. And it, yeah, it's not, it didn't happen. They may go on a run now, but this, it, it may all be too little too late. Maybe very Cleveland Browns esque where you start to see that team as everything falls apart and maybe the schedule softens up a little bit, but you know, it's basically over for the team. And then somebody's going to do it. Somebody's going to get hot here and they're going to win, you know, four out of their last five games. And someone's going to go, Ooh, Ooh, wait, let's pay attention to them next year. So everybody, you know, you have all these bad teams right now that are vying for uh, some press in the preseason uh, magazines and, and websites and all that that come out next season. So oh, do, the smartest guy in the room thing, you know, where we get the preseason pick. That's why we always have that. The Houston Texans Memorial or the Jimmy Garoppolo Memorial Award. Now <laughs> I believe we call it. Right. Um, or 
somebody just gets hot late. It's completely meaningless. But, you know, somebody's got to be the smartest guy in the room and go, oh, but did you see that the Eagles won four out of their last five games? They might be poised. And it makes you laugh so hard because they start talking about momentum. This will carry over uh-huh. into next season, and they got momentum. Yeah. <laughs> Not a um, one guy like, on that field is thinking about last season, the way the, the season ended last year. When next year starts and week one kicks off, not a yeah. single motherfucker on that field is thinking about, okay, we're ready. We've been waiting nine months because we finished four out of five the year before, and we've been waiting to get back at the – no, it, it doesn't work that way. So we, we have a good laugh at those people. Uh, but that was kind of some of my picks in week 12. And I was, there, there definitely is some of those teams that – give you a, a second half much different than their first half where they play a lot better for whatever reason and, and get some wins that you don't expect to get. So I was trying to get a, a leg up and trying to figure out some of those teams and take a guess on what some of those teams are going to be. And it didn't work out. It, it did not work out for me at all. Yeah. Uh, definitely one of those uh, teams that you lost with me was the, the resurgent uh, back from the dead Atlanta Falcons who we were uh, uh, well going we said back one and more chance, right? One, one right. more chance. We said we were going to give them one more chance, and that defense that hadn't given up anything against New Orleans or Carolina, well, and, and you know yeah. what? You got one of those Tampa Bay offensive games, right? You got you got one of those games. You, even though right. Jameis Winston did Jameis Winston things and he threw the two picks, um, he, he still he threw two, uh, three touchdowns. He went over 300 yards. Even with the two picks, he played a, a respectable game, and that Atlanta, you know, that Atlanta defense was that it, that it had done admirably, extremely well against the last two opponents. Just looked completely lost against the uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and uh, yeah, Tampa continues to be probably the hardest team to figure out in the NFL. I, I can't put my finger on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this year at all. And Atlanta just, man, that was lethargic. They had to get a garbage time touchdown, I believe, from Matt Schaub at the very end there. Yeah. To even, yeah. To even start to make this game look a little bit more respectable. It was just, that was bad. It was over for them from the start. And Naj called in and tried to warn us. And he said, don't pay attention to these garbage Falcons because they're going to get your hopes up and then they're just going to disappoint you. And we nodded our heads and, and kind of agreed with that. And then we went and, and picked them anyway. So Naj earned this because he tried to warn us and, and we didn't <laughs> listen for this one game. So he definitely deserves this. Falcons and it came and bit us in the ass. So we'll see what happens for tomorrow night. Though we get we we get to get them on Thanksgiving night for another yeah. matchup with the Saints. So we'll we'll get to that pick a little later on. But you were giving them the you know you had you had kind of been on the give them one last chance kind of kick the last few weeks anyways. I think just because of the fact that you didn't want to see your your Super Bowl your Super Bowl team go you know two and fourteen. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I definitely was rooting them on and, and hoping and, and wishing that they would show up and, and do better than they had. And yeah. they, for, for for two weeks after the bye, they did. But, now, I, uh, I, I tried a miniaturized version of your, you know, upset crazy week. And the two that I thought I did the most crazy on actually both came through. For both of us, that was the, the Jets beating Oakland and the Redskins beating the Lions. Even yeah, though and, in the latter, Dwayne Haskins uh, played just terrible. <laughs> um, the Redskins, the Redskins won that game because I guess somebody had to. I guess that was the whole, the whole message. But that was that was just dreadful football, and it was two terrible teams right now. And the Redskins end up getting the field goal at the end, and yeah, good for them. Uh, the Jets looked good. Um, against an Oak, but a, this was an Oakland team, I think, that we saw primed for an upset. A team that maybe was playing a little bit over its head and goes out east. And wow, I, I did not see 34 to 3 coming. But no, definitely Sam, not. Sam, Sam Darnold wasn't seeing no, no dead people in this one. Sam, <laughs> Sam Darnold was seeing a lot, of, uh, a lot of his wide receivers. He had himself one hell of a day. And then on the other side of the field, Derek Carr had just, oh, man. I mean, some of these, some of the lopsidedness of these games this last week. But, yeah, the, the Raiders went out to, out to New York there, and they had, they had nothing. They couldn't run. They couldn't throw. They couldn't play defense. And they let a, an awful three-win Jets team just completely decimate them. And this was an Oakland team that was, I believe, going into the week occupying – the last wild card spot. And now you have all of these AFC teams that are clumped at six wins. And there's a lot of them. There are a lot mm-hmm. of six win teams in the, uh, in the NFC. I think we have four. We have, so we, have, yeah, we have four teams right now, all sitting at six wins. And, you know, of the, of the Steelers, Colts, Titans, and, Raiders. I mean, none of them are impressive. Whoever win, whoever gets that last spot is destined for the Saturday afternoon uh, playoff game. Yes, definitely. Which, which right now I would imagine would probably be Titan. I mean, let's let it'll be what we expect. Titans, Texans. That'll be the one. Yeah, I think we called that a month ago, and it's probably going to be what it winds up being. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Derek Carr got himself benched, right? All this great play that he had been doing, uh, yeah. and everyone. Talking him up and got he got his ass bent. I mean, we but we know that. Uh, John no, no. Are you like sure he didn't have a hip pointer? I don't think I read anything about him having a hip pointer. I don't think I saw any highlights of John Gruden uh, rubbing his shoulders on the sideline and looking into his eyes and and convincing him that he has a hip pointer. So no, I don't think that happened. Uh, no, Murga just spit up on themselves again, which is exactly what I, I was hoping for and predicted. And you you were right there with me. So yeah, that was definitely uh, the the two that we. That, that that I kind of swaggered into the picks going, yeah, these two upsets, nobody's got these two, watch this. <laughs> and then, of course, you had them both as well. Uh, right, so. yeah, those were, the, those were the two that were probably the most shocking, where you thought you were going to shock the world, and uh, mm-hmm. I ended up agreeing with you. And I know that always sort of ruins your, kind of ruins the mood when you think you've got the big secret that nobody else knows, and I'm sitting right there with you because, you know, me and my crazy picks, I do that to you. A lot. Yeah, yeah, that that happens. Uh, the Detroit will, uh, and and Washington will take the cheap uh, Redskins come from behind win. They still suck. Let's not. Oh, they're bad. Uh, <laughs> my God, they are terrible. 
Um, and yeah, Dwayne Eskins still hasn't really shown me anything, but the, he got his first win. So I guess uh, congrats again. There we go with the, the quarterback win and a perfect example of why I don't give any value to the quarterback win because he's not good. Uh, but yet he got the win. Uh, Detroit actually dominated the game in yardage by by a count of 364 to 230. But uh, they uh, the Redskins won because Jeff Driscoll kept throwing the ball to the Redskins, which is a good way to lose a game is keep turning the ball over to the other team. Yeah. Um, and, hey, the Redskins took advantage and, and got the win, so good on them. But, God, they, they, they're still off. Yeah, there was a lot of, you know, this is a weird week for recaps because there were a lot of bad games this last week. I mean, the games, it's like it's hard to find things to say about some of these games. Other than the fact yeah, that we picked two upsets and yay for us, pat ourselves on the back. But other than the fact that we picked every game and we happened to pick two uh, two decent upsets, you, 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 you can't really take anything away from them. No, you really can't. I, I'd love to talk about Chicago uh, knocking off the Giants and Mitch Trubisky playing a lot better, <laughs> uh, except for them giving up the garbage time touchdown and finding a way to win that game by five. Yeah. Yeah, because you said you After had that I, as a six-point game, and then you had to exactly. waffle on which way to go. It's a 50-50 proposition at that point because you nailed the spread when you made your score prediction, and you waffled. You went to the, oh, I'm going to take the team that's 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 favored, and the Giants get the last the late touchdown to make it a five-point game, and the Bears end up actually giving the ball back to the Giants with a yeah. chance to drive again, um, but it, you know ended up stopping them, and then we are winning the game by five. Of course, that that's what killed me. Is of course they won by five after I waffled back and forth trying to figure out which way to go on that point spread and wind up going with Chicago. And they, of course, they only win by five. They couldn't win by six. And that was one of the that. ones couldn't we disagreed on. You know, one of the one of the six uh, one of the six that we disagreed on in a week where I went what five and one against you. Yeah. And yeah, uh, it's yeah. been a while. Almost I, I had all. a season like that where I gave it up. But yeah, it's been a while since we've had a lopsided week like that. So yeah, you got the the Browns bullshit over uh, the Dolphins. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I I, I hope that, that I hope that that was the end of the Dolphin mania, and and certainly it was. And I certainly yeah. put it to bed even more so by picking them and locking it in. So uh, the the less said about that, the better. Yeah, the other one um, that went south for you was you believed in the Denver Broncos going up to yeah, Buffalo. That was, that was another one. That was, that was and, another crazy uh, after- upset. Oh, no one's gonna have this one. Oh, but Denver's playing so much better now. So I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take them to spring the upset. Yeah. Well, but, you know, I, I looked at Denver as that team that had their chance. They had their chance. They they went up to Minnesota and gave them everything that they could handle for about one half. And then after they blew that twenty to nothing lead, and you saw the the, the Vikings come back and win that thing, and I was like, oh man, that that's one thing. You go do that to Kirk Cousins and a team that's afraid of their quarterback. Okay, now go do that to Buffalo. This is a team that's not going to let you get a lead, and 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 just pile it on. Uh, we haven't. I don't think we have. We seen the Bills blown out. Really? I mean, maybe one no. of their losses was bad, but especially up there against a team as bad as Denver, no, they're not. No, nobody's going up to Buffalo. And Buffalo did exactly what we expected them to do, or at least I'm sorry, they did exactly what I expected <laughs> you expected them to do. Them to do. And, uh, yeah, held the Broncos to a field goal for the whole game. And uh, that, that thing was over, you know, 
uh, that that never really felt like it was going to be close. And even when Buffalo was just sitting there and it's like, it's 10 three and you know, you still didn't feel like it. Broncos could do nothing for that whole game. Now to your point of uh, them uh, not being blown out or uh, being a really quality team that people certainly don't give them uh, as much credit as they should be. There's something that the nine and two Seahawks, the nine and two New Orleans Saints, uh, and the uh, uh, the seven and four Kansas City Chiefs and the seven and four Texans. Uh, there's something they all have in common, and that they all have a lower point differential this year than the Buffalo Bills. So uh, you can look at a lot of teams and think that they're a lot you know, think that they're really great and, and bubbling under and ready to explode. But uh, the Buffalo Bills are solid. They have been solid, and they probably don't get nearly as enough respect uh, uh, as, as they deserve, especially their defense. And then their offense, specifically in this game where they beat the Broncos, uh, the, the touchdown that Project threw to John Brown, first of all, that's becoming a thing. The The Josh Allen to John Brown connection is actually becoming – something that people uh, that opponents have to come in and look out and, and plan for because they have an actual connection working. But this uh, particular touchdown uh, was a little bit eye-opening for me because uh, Project threw a shoulder shimmy in as a, as a pump fake before going to John Brown. So he opened up the, the defender's hips a little bit before throwing the ball to John Brown. So he's, he's learning some things. He's actually projecting and actually progressing and, putting uh, some, some things together. And if, if he winds up being a, a, a league average quarterback down the road, they might really, really have something in Buffalo. So I'm, I'm getting my eyes open. I'm trying to be open-minded and, and consider that project is actually something a little more than a project and is actually growing into a, a decent NFL quarterback. He certainly on a week to week basis looks a hell of a lot better than my guy Trubisky. <laughs> Yeah, and we have to figure the Bills are destined to be a wild card. You got to figure at at you know eight and three where they're sitting right now. They probably only need to win maybe two more games to get a wild card spot. I don't see any of those six win teams unless one of them just gets really hot. I don't see right. one of those six win teams getting to ten. If the Bills can get to ten, or if they get to eleven, they're in for sure. If they get to ten, they're probably in. Um, all I know about the Bills is is we can't make a lot of you know. We can't look into the crystal ball and say anything about the Bills or if they're primed to do anything, you know, any damage this season. I don't think anybody looks at them and thinks that's a Super Bowl contender, but I don't right. think anybody wants to play them in the playoffs. Right. I, I know I wouldn't. That's a that's a tough team. That's a tough out. No matter what team draws yeah. them, uh, they're going to have to really uh, bring their best effort to, to knock out the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, yeah and, if and, they get that five spot uh, as the best, uh, team that doesn't win a division, and they yeah. have to play the 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 four seed. Uh, if if it winds up being Houston versus uh, Buffalo, uh, is that not easy to see Buffalo going in there and knocking them out and, and well, taking Houston's that wild card game? Prone to do that anyways. I mean, that's, that's true. Is to host a playoff game and lose. Uh, we've seen yes. that many times. No, I, I would I wouldn't be stunned, you know, if you, all of a sudden you find the Texans is like they just have no answer for that Buffalo secondary, that Buffalo defense, and uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked. And all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you look up and the Bills win a game like sixteen fourteen in very typical Bills fashion, 
We're, we're calling it in November, folks. Buffalo and, 16, and knock 14 some, over and Houston knock somebody in the playoffs. Off, but yeah. I, I just take extreme comfort in the fact that I had the Bills in the playoffs this year. And I'll, even if all my other playoff picks are shit, which, which they so far look to be, um, not all of them, but a lot of them, I will, I'll, I'll take pride in the fact that I had the Buffalo Bills going to the playoffs this year and, and picking them to be the top contender in the AFC East last year to the Patriots title. No, I'm taking uh, comfort in the fact that I had the the Ravens coming back and winning their division again this year. And so far they look like maybe the best team in in football, the way they're playing right now. I I, I did not see all of this growth from Lamar Jackson. I did not uh, envision all of the passing that he's been doing, but uh, man, he he has really played some great, great football. And we know that organization uh, and John Harbaugh, we we know how they do things up there. That's, it's always been a very quality team, and and they're doing it even more so this year. So I'm I'm very proud to see them. Even though I didn't pick them Monday night, I'm still uh, very proud to see what the Ravens are doing. I'm, I've always been a fan of theirs. I know, and you you you've been you I I've been down on Baltimore in seasons previously, and you you've sort of always been the defender. And I think we're seeing well. We we I think what we're starting to see and you've probably seen for longer than what I've seen is that this is just a professional organization and John Harbaugh maybe doesn't get enough love, but he should be a coach of the year candidate every year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're seeing it. Maybe, and I was speculating that maybe the reason we haven't had to use the that's so Ravens drop uh, lately or the last couple of <laughs> years is maybe that was a Joe Flacco thing. Maybe it was, maybe he really it's is. Possible. that. Uh, inconsistent and finds a way to lose games that he shouldn't lose after big wins. That, that, that's, that was a regular thing for them uh, under him. It was just yeah. get, going out and getting a big win, usually over the Steelers or something. And everybody talks about Baltimore and then they go and lose to the Browns or the Dolphins or something like that. Uh, they're not doing that this year. There, there was a reason why for a good solid seven years <laughs> that we could use that so Ravens in a, you know, almost predictable way. Like you, you could almost pinpoint the spot where the Ravens were going to just go and do a Ravens thing that just blows your mind. Especially like you said, it was usually the Ravens. That's so Ravens. It almost always referred to coming up small after a gigantic win. And, And they were just, they were known for that. We, we pointed it out. This was back in the blog days. I remember writing a blog post uh, back when we used to do the recaps about that. And it was an entire recap just about how the Ravens are, you know, that's so Ravens. And it was, it was funny. <laughs> but no, you haven't been able to use that drop so much this year. Yeah. Not, not, not this year. Not anymore. Not with Lamar Jackson. Yeah. He's, he's so, beating the good teams, know, the bad teams, and everyone in between. The one you got on me this last week, Tennessee over Jacksonville, I predicted why you would do it, and that's because Derrick Henry would be a beast against the Jacksonville Taurus uh, run defense. Yeah, and, and he did it. So I didn't just lose the pick. I told you how I was going to lose the pick, <laughs> which is he, even he better. The, the run where he, he – this, this big touchdown this time in this game uh, this past Sunday, which was so reminiscent of his big touchdown run last year uh, at home against Jacksonville, where he's just bump, busting off people, bumping them off, throwing them off, stiff arming him to hell. 
uh, almost beast mode like. It's almost blasphemous to bring up beast mode, but some of these Derrick Henry runs remind you of of Marshawn Lynch runs, where he's just determined to never go down. Like it, it looks like no one, no human alive or dead could bring him down, and that's that's uh, it was another one of those runs, and he, he does that in this game Sunday, and he gets to the end zone. And I yelled out, he did it again. And a second later, the uh, whoever is doing the, the play-by-play on, on CBS yells out, he did it again. It reminded both of us of that run from last year. So, yeah, it's just something about when Derrick Henry gets in front of the Jaguars, uh, he goes crazy and just starts throwing him aside. And, and, again, Tennessee coming off their bye last week, he's extra fresh, he's extra ready. It, it was just everything just lined up for that one. So, the one game I got over you, yes, I'm I'm very proud of that one game uh, that I got. I, <laughs> I am. I'm clutching it to my heart. It means so much. That that kept me from getting six games back on you. <laughs> but yeah, the Jags, man, ooh, they uh, and and that's not even a, a Derrick Henry thing. They're letting everybody bend them over and and run on them. It, it's just something yeah. that the Jaguars are doing that they're letting everybody run crazy on it. It just, it makes no sense. I mean, this is, this is Colts level bad. You remember the Colts, but in years past where you could just, that was the MO and the Colts, you could just go run for 300 yards on them every game. In fact, I think it was Jacksonville that did that one time. It was, they, they love to line up Fred Taylor for 20 yards and then Maurice Jones drew for 20 uh-huh. yards and then Fred Taylor for 20 yards. Yeah. And just go back and forth on them. So we'll see. It was ironic, though, that that historically bad Colts run D was the one that ended up winning the Super Bowl. When it was like they suddenly got to the playoffs, and then you couldn't you, you couldn't run on them at all. That Larry, we always talk about that Larry Johnson game where we thought Larry oh. Johnson was going to run for 300 yards by himself, and he couldn't do anything that whole game. And all of a sudden, and then all of a sudden, Colts go and they get Peyton Manning his title. It's like, huh? But you know why their run defense stiffened up for the playoffs, right? Of course, you Bob know Sanders why. came back. Your boy. But yeah, I know. Bob Sanders. The guy the Bob man. Sanders. The the one man the run shoring safety. He's the wrecking crew. <laughs> Bob Sanders, I'm telling you. All by um, himself. I'd say the most frustrating game of the week was the Saints. Because we both no. had that one, and the Saints just would not let the Panthers go away. I did not understand that one at all. Yeah, they they got out fast uh, against Carolina, and credit yeah. against Carolina for. I think that might have been a fighting back for Chico deal, because because Chico Rivera would be rumored to be on the hot seat, and maybe they're trying to fight and, and keep uh, Ron Rivera's job. So they definitely put forth a much better effort after. New Orleans got out. Yeah, I thought it was going to be another one of those, you know, 35 to nothing or 35 to, to, to seven type routes for the Saints, and it just didn't work out that way. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I credit the Panthers for doing that. But, yeah, they the New Orleans 10-point favorites and let Carolina come all the way back to tie them, um, and New Orleans has to get a last-second field goal to win that game. Uh, and, of course, officiating-wise in that game was, was the other big story uh, coming out of that which I don't know if you're aware about what happened there. But uh, Al Riverone, our guy, uh, tried to intentionally fuck the New Orleans Saints uh, in the same way that uh, New Orleans got fucked in the playoffs. They had a very, very similar call where the Saints interfered with the Panthers and it wasn't called on the field. 
But the Panthers challenged it, and Al Viverone overturned the call and said, yep, that's fast interference. So right there in the same building where that play would have or should have been overturned and ruled pass interference, if the rule was in place last year, he goes ahead and reverses it and, and screws over the New Orleans Saints uh, in this game. But as we talked about, I think, just last show, Riverone's decision-making is such this year that I don't know if that play happened last year, if he would have overturned it. There's been so many obvious right. calls that should have been overturned that he didn't overturn this year. So there's there's almost no rhyme or reason to, to how Riverone's decision-making, except he seems to want to bone the New Orleans Saints. Well, you know, they're the ones who have to make him work a little extra to look at all these pass interference challenges and calls. So it's all I guess, Sean you know, fault. it's all Sean Payton's fault. So they're taking it out on Sean Payton. This is going to happen. You know, I don't know what's going to happen if, like, all of a sudden we get to the playoffs and they start calling this better or, or, more, t- or more tightly on the replays. They did but it last it, year, though, right? Remember last year? I was going to say, remember yeah. last year and all of a sudden – they, you know, or they, or they start letting them play a little, a little bit more, you know, and start start swallowing the whistle, which we've seen too, like they did in the Philly New England Super Bowl. That's right. Um, they really that was specifically the one where we weren't sure about what's a catch anymore, and then all of a sudden yes. you get to the Super Bowl and people are making catches that we would have normally expected to have been overturned, but oh, they were good. not going to. Yeah, they were in the biggest stage. They weren't going to let something that would have been controversial get overturned and they let a lot of plays stay that all season long you had been taught that well that's not a catch and it changed in the Super Bowl like like I could imagine Roger Goodell telling those officials like stop fucking this shit up (laughs) hey it's the biggest stage everyone's looking at us we're gonna actually call it the way it's supposed to be called whatever you see if that's what you see that's what we're gonna call we're not gonna sit here and and Go well. The, the the point of the ball may have scraped the grass, and therefore is incomplete. No, we're not going to do that. We're we're actually going to call a catch a catch for the most part. Uh, I think Zach Ertz still got kind of screwed, and uh, what is a catch and what's not a catch in that Super Bowl. But but yeah, for the most part, they they straightened up their act come playoff time because they knew everybody was going to be watching. So yeah, I can see something like that as well. Because some of these calls that the cha- that the coaches throw up the challenge. And you're looking at the replay like, how can you not overturn it? It's obvious interference. Obviously, the defender gets there, you know, either hits him early or pins the, the, the arms down where he can't reach up to make the catch. That's, that's the definition of pass interference. Nope. Call stands on the field. Incomplete pass. It's like, oh, you've you got to be kidding me. It, it seemed to be a lot of those calls just out of spite. It just seems to be – Al Riveron saying, nope, I'm not going to overturn anything because I shouldn't have to do it anyway. So the hell with all Yeah, he doesn't like – he's not getting paid overtime probably. And then this call against the Saints where he decides, to, yeah, now I'm going to start overturning. Okay. Yeah, that bad – real bad look. Real bad look on the NFL. We've, we've talked <laughs> yeah. about that all year. Yeah. And, uh, hey, uh, I guess the big news coming out of the Pittsburgh-Cincinnati game is Duck Boy is back. Duck Boy is back. That's about all we need change. to say about that game, right? Well, and but to, for me, it's it's more cynical. I think Doug Boy is back because if you look on the schedule this week, uh, it's the rematch. It's the, <laughs> the Steelers and the Browns. <laughs> and are you going tinfoil hat here? They needed I, to bench Mason Rudolph 
to stop riots <laughs> from right, right? To, to stop the the Browns from coming on the field and seeing Mason Rudolph and saying, "Oh, you want something to be suspended about? Okay, I'm gonna show you something to get suspended about." Yeah, to to sort of take that edge off of that rematch and, and make sure that we don't. Uh, have a, another flare-up. We might have another flare-up anyway, because I'm sure there's still a lot of unresolved feelings yeah. surrounding those two teams. But yeah, I, I can I can see that Mike Tomlin maybe had that play in his head a little bit at thinking about, okay, we got to play these guys again in a couple of weeks. And Mason, it's not like Mason Rudolph is playing well enough for for anyone to say you got to keep him in. He's playing so much, you know, good football, and you got to make sure that he's out there for this rematch again. No, he's playing bad enough that you can make that move and get away with it. And of course, it doesn't help. Uh, it doesn't hurt at all that Doug Boyd throws the touchdown that wins the game for the Steelers, even though they still managed to not cover the spread by a half a point. Um, it's still a, a you know the game-winning touchdown to James Washington. So, uh, it, yeah, I can. I'm not going to say that that's all that that made the decision in in Mike Tomlin's head that that's the only reason he did it. I really do think the main driving factor is the, the play of Mason Rudolph and, and Doug Boyd gave him a little bit of a spark, but I can see that playing a factor in his head. I'm just saying just a, just a factor. Some player safety. Is that what we're going to call it? Uh, attempting to keep some sanity in, in the, in the rematch. Attempting to not have it turn into uh, a Jerry Springer show. Which, which, it, which is what it did last time or Geraldo. With the skinheads. With the chairs. Be, instead of a chair being thrown, it was a helmet. Yes. Yes. <laughs> hey, I, uh, I remember I'm, staying home from school to watch that episode of Geraldo when the chair got thrown. I'm sure that's on YouTube. I'm sure if, if you want to go oh, Google yeah, it, kids. That is, but that was a huge deal when it happened. It was. Because you knew yeah. about the incident before it aired. It was so and, you know, newsworthy. We didn't, we didn't have that on anything like that on TV in the 80s. No, not before uh, uh, Borden Downey came along and, and, and Geraldo Rivera and guys like that. Yeah, it, that, that was a new thing for us. See crazy, wild studio crowds uh, almost inciting riots. And, and, and then Jerry Springer came along and sort of blew everybody out the water. Oh, you want some riots on your talk shows? <laughs> I'll do that for 20 years and watch millions this. of dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Hold my beer. Watch this. Yeah. And then, and then we get, uh, then we can get all those seasons of Maury with the, he is not the father. You are not the, Hey, he found a niche. I tell you that. He did. Much. I'll give you that. Man. And then all the fights that that creates. <laughs> Maury like. Povich absolutely dug and, and, and tapped into an app. Is, is every show that he does, you are not the father. I don't watch Almost, those shows. Probably, but if, probably four out of every five. I mean, every, anytime I'm somewhere that has a TV on, if Maury is on, if it's not one of those episodes, it's kind of sad. It's like, what else are you doing? Like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know any other episodes of Maury uh, other than uh, you are, or you are not the father. I, it feels like that's all he does, literally, and yeah. it, it, it's it's a living. He, well, because when they cut the commercial break and the you know and the voiceover comes on talking about looking for future guests, it's that scenario. <laughs> that unsure about the yeah, <laughs> okay. So they're recruiting now. They're 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 like Chashevsky uh, going out and on the road and recruiting. They they're looking actively looking for women who have no idea who the fuck put a, a baby inside. Right. 
but yet these women will bring like an entire front row's worth of dudes. And <laughs> the every 1997 guy, Denver Broncos. Are you the father? I'm so sure it was him. I'm so sure it's got to be him. He's not the father. Was it? It's that guy. <laughs> I'm so sure it was him. I'm so right. sure. Uh, and it's not him. Not the father. So, yeah, then both the dudes are mad. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just so good. I, I I thought of the other thing that that Mari does now. If it's not those other dudes, then they wind up going to the lie detector. The lie detector says that was a that's, lie. Yeah, that's good. Lie detector. It's a good move. <laughs> so you said your cousin was not the father. The lie detector says that was a lie. <laughs> After that, then you go to the DNA like test. I've watched one of these shows before. No, I'm just, I'm trying to, I was racking my brain sitting here thinking about any Mari Povich show I've accidentally come across in the last 10 years. If it's not, you are not the father, what else is right. it? And I I think the only, other, the only other shows he does is the lie detector shows. I've seen, I've seen that with the, that is a lie. That is not mm-hmm. a lie. Yeah, I, I have seen that. But what what else do what else does he does? I couldn't tell you. And and Springer, I haven't. I don't remember the last time I watched not, uh, an episode he, of Springer. He's gone. He's got to be gone. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not even gonna lie. He might. They, the show might be off the air or canceled or or they no longer do it, and it might still be doing it. I don't know. I actually don't wow. know. Yeah. I do. I do know I used to have friends that were those type of people, not as guests, but they uh, attended some tapings and and oh were, sure. We're, we're proud to point themselves out in the crowd as cheering and hooting and hollering, and I'm like, really? That's uh, there, I I I have to, you know, I have to be honest. I I've been to the Jerry Springer show. Really? I didn't know. Yeah, that. when I was working, uh, you know, back in the old Best Buy days, back back right out of high school, like 20 people from the job all went down and went to it, and it was okay, just one of those. So- it was like, well, all my friends are going, so yeah, sure, I'll go. And we yeah, all so went. Every, we were everyone I know went. Basically, then, uh, you know, stage right. We were sitting over on that side, uh, front row. I mean, so if you could ever find the episode, you'd probably see me sitting there. And uh, it was one of the, and it was, and there were no fights. Oh well, that must have been disappointing. There were no fights. There was nothing, no Jerry Jerry moments. It was basically just like a like a, a secret crush episode. Very ah, tame. Very yeah, tame. that is. Yeah, that's that's just. Although was it something like that? I guess someone killed on another talk show. Uh, yeah, because well, yeah, because wasn't that was that Sally or Jenny Jones? One of those girls. One yeah. of those where somebody ended up. It ended up being like there was like a like a like a gay angle to it. Right. The secret crush was like another dude. Uh huh. And and yeah. and the, the the dude didn't it, have a, a good so reaction well. to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It didn't go uh, so well. It's awful that we're making fun of that, but yeah. But it's, we're not making fun. That's what happened. We're just laughing at it. <laughs> that's all. We're just laughing at it. Yeah, but no, that did not go well. That's like something, that's that shit you'd see in a movie. Right. It's, it's American Beauty, basically. Um, yeah, uh, so I guess yeah. everyone I know, everyone I know went to Springer except me, so I'm sitting there. I think uh, the, the contingent right of there friends... At NBC the, Tower. Right, the, the the people that I'm talking about, the friends that I went, I think Dave, the movie expert, was part of that crew. So he, we'll have uh, to ask he can, him about that next time he's yeah. on the show. 
Yeah, he can he can speak to that. Maybe they saw a good episode. I, I don't even. I can I can see Dave the movie expert going to do that though. But some of the other friends that were part of it, I couldn't see. It was like, uh, like ah. we, we we've talked about Rory before on the show. Sure. Uh, I, I I think he was a part of that, and like, no, that's not something. Yeah. Because uh, the type of people on Jerry Springer would, would be the exact type of people that uh, Rory would avoid at all costs. Like he wouldn't yeah. go anywhere near him because he he thought he yeah, was above I all rem- of them. Yeah, I remember when the buzz was going around at the store I was at that they were all planning on going to do this, and it ended up being a really large group of people. And a lot of these people were my friends, and I had the day off, and it wasn't that expensive, and it was hey, it's an excuse to go downtown and hang out. Yeah, so yeah, why not? It, it, it's something, you know, and this is when this, this wasn't quite in the heyday when every show turned into, you know, people ripping, ripping their weaves out, you know, there were still some tame ones and we got one of those. Okay. This was late nineties. I want to say. And I'll also uh, tamp down my arrogance and looking down my nose because it flashed through my mind of the dozens and dozens and dozens of pro wrestling matches that I've been to. So I can't really talk about anyone else's taste in anything. (laughs) So I'll I'll, I'll cut that out right now. Okay. You're not going to, don't, don't judge. Yeah, I I can't be judged. Exactly. Uh, so speaking of judging, four and ten—that's what I should be judged on. Some terrible, terrible football picks, and, and definitely not proud of, of four and ten. And just kind of—I had a sick, sick feeling about uh, the week, even going into the primetime games, because that's four and eight, and that's bad enough. And then those two primetime games hit, and I'm like, oh my god, that those are awful, awful picks that I made. <laughs> so I, and it, but hey. In your defense, or not in your defense, because they were bad picks, but they were over quick. There was no, <laughs> you know, nobody scored 13 points in the last half minute to blow the pick for you. Those were just, those games were over. I mean, I think the Packers were down 23 zip at halftime. Although, when I, that's when I fell asleep. I fell asleep in that game at 23 nothing, And I still, first thing I did when I woke up in the morning was grab my phone and look at it because I fully expected it to be Packers win, you know, 31-26 because that's right. that happened. No, I grabbed my phone. I'm like, 37-8. Oh, my God. Yeah, the second half I was the... that game on Monday night. I, I actually got home around halftime from work. So I saw a chunk of the first quarter. When I left, it was 14 nothing got home at halftime and then watched that thing in the second half. And yeah, the Rams, the Rams couldn't stop anything. And their offense was just putrid. And this boy genius here in his uh, second year, it's like, uh Oh, and, I mean, and his quarterback, I, I thought, you know, and all these head coaches, like if you were in the same room with Sean McVay and he sneezed, they thought you might've gotten some of his coaching DNA. So that was a way for you to get a job in the NFL. Oh, and, you mean like Zach? You mean like Zach Taylor? How's that working out for him? That's what I mean. And it looks like, yeah, since the Super Bowl, have the Rams done anything? Not the Super no. Bowl, since the NFC Championship game? Have the <laughs> right, Rams, you know, right, because they yeah, haven't done anything in the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl. You know, and the one fear right. that I had, the one fear that I had going into that Monday night game for that pick, even though it was my lock, was that Wade Phillips would come up with something to contain Lamar. Yeah. No, he, no, he didn't no. come up with anything. No, no one can come up with anything at the moment. The way they're playing, no yeah. one can stop them. 
they they are playing at such a like I said a high speed of what they're doing. They they have this this confidence and almost arrogance that we're gonna do what we do and you can't stop it. And when you have that kind of confidence, you can do anything you want. And then on the other side, when you turn the ball over to the Rams and not just boy genius Sean McVay, but his quarterback Jared Goff was playing like garbage and making some awful yeah. decisions out there. I don't, I really don't know what happened there. I'm trying to figure out when Jeff Fisher beat up Sean McVay and started coaching the Rams again. <laughs> and I'm trying to figure out why, why, why is Jared Goff such a, a disparate player from one end to the other? That rookie year that we made fun of him because he was so bad. And then yeah. Sean McVay comes in and he looks like a pro bowler and an MVP candidate. And now this year it all turned back to shit. He, he looks as bad as he did in his rookie year. I I, I can't put my finger on that. that. There's players. He had all his guys back. He did. I don't know how healthy uh, Brandon Cooks was uh, kind of staggering around out there, but he was out there. Uh, Robert Woods was out there. Six Cooper Cup. Six, six whole points. points. So, Hey, good for the Ravens. Uh, I'm glad I locked them up. And I know that last show you were worried. You, you, I know when it got to the Monday night game, you were ready to remind me, like, you know you haven't picked the lock yet. Right. I didn't know if you had just forgotten. or. But no, what, I, what I do like about that being my lock of the week was it was the biggest point spread difference of the week. So, you know, speaking of gambling, gonna, that that's – Yeah, if you're going to lock a game up, Go 39, uh, take the team that wins by 39. There's a new thing out there. I don't know the details because I haven't used it or seen it or whatever. There's some of these uh, states that are, that have approved gambling and, and got apps and whatnot uh, on their on your phone. There's a new gambling uh, uh, sort of oh. scenario where you can put money on a team and escalate it by the points, Uh by by the by the number of points as far as the final score, and I saw it when Baltimore opened the season by destroying wh- whoever they played in the uh, opener. It was in Miami, um, and yeah. just beat the hell out of them. Uh, so if you put a, a, a number again, I don't know how it works, uh, but you can make much more money depending on how big your pick uh, defeats the opponent. Like you can. That forty-five to six. That that there's something about that thirty-nine there, like a hundred dollars times thirty-nine. I think you could. There's a way I believe you can turn a hundred into thirty-nine hundred based on uh, if your if your pick wins the game that that big. But wow. I think there's a. I think the risk of the, of that pick goes the other way. I think if you if your pick lose happened to lost that game by thirty-nine, I think you also would lose like thirty-nine hundred dollars. I think that's how that works. Um, I don't have all the details, so I'll have to do some research and, and figure that out. But yeah, some states have those, those options now. So uh, you, you, if you think you got a winner that's going to just destroy the other team, then you can you can make a you can make your years uh, you can make your nut right there in that one game uh, if you put enough money on it, I, I suppose. Wow. But I haven't uh, heard just, that one yet. But I, I am not in touch with the gambling community, even though this is a show all about picking point spreads. Well, as we said, when these states started, more and more states started approving gambling. There's going to be more ways to gamble because there's more uh, opportunities, and there's going to be a lot more. To what I thought was going to be the biggest uh, boon was going to be like the in-game options, and that's also uh, a thing as right. well. That's also been uh, exploding in popularity, where you bet a game within, you know, inside the game. You 
see a team getting destroyed and you, you and you go, I want a piece of that because I can see that this team doesn't have a chance to come back. I can go in, you know, while the game is going on and put some money down and, and make some money inside the game. So uh, that's another thing that, that people can do as well. But that doesn't apply here. We're picking the games uh, before they happen. We're not picking the games while they're happening. Or uh, after they happen. <laughs> That would really be the way to make some money. Is you can let me pick games after they're over. That would be the awesome. That, that's uh, the ultimate right there. We're never gonna let that go. <laughs> oh, our our, our guy uh, uh, on Yahoo Sports. Um, I, I, that's also something I should go back on on NFL Pick Watch. I, I've avoided the site a little bit just because of how bad I'm doing this year, but sure. I should go and see how how the experts are doing and and sort of see who's the best and who's the worst and make fun of those guys. Uh, you know, there, there's plenty of uh, material out there. Do not judge, lest ye be judged, <laughs> as we're both sitting under 500 at the moment. That's a very good point out of you. All right. Uh, with that, I think it's time to, to make our triple gobble picks for Thanksgiving. Yeah. You ready? I'm ready. You got- I've had these picks all week. I haven't changed them. I haven't deviated. As soon as I saw the point spreads, I believe it was uh, Tuesday or not. Yeah, yeah, Monday, Tuesday. I was like, yep, bam, bam, bam. I feel good. So I'm going to go 0-3. <laughs> uh, do you have any locks in this one? Do we have to worry about uh, – uh... No, I contemplated okay. it. I did contemplate one lock here, but I think I'm just going to save it for the bulk of the schedule. Yeah. Um, I just wouldn't want to you – know, there's something about locking up a Thursday. And if you lose it, you're just like – you've given the other person such an edge on That's the rest true. of the week. So, yeah, no, I am uh, I am going to hold off, and I am going to have my lock ready for Sunday for a Saturday night show. All right, we'll see if we both had the same potential lock. I, I also had a game I wanted to lock but didn't have the, the cojones to do it, but we'll see if it's – the same one. I, I suspect it, it is, but we'll see. It probably is. So it is time for our triple gobble. Here are the official picks for our Thanksgiving games tomorrow morning and afternoon and <laughs> of course in the evening as well. Starting in the morning or I guess afternoon if you're on the uh, the East Coast. Uh, the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions. Chicago now at 5-6 and six after that win against the Giants. Detroit falling to three, seven, and one. We talked about how much they've been fighting and and competing in every game this year, but there's only so much you can do when your talent has dwindled because of injury and their quarterback for the last few games have been Jeff Driscoll. And uh, he was actually the quarterback. The first start he got was against these bears in week 10 uh, at soldier field bears won 20 to 13 behind three touchdowns by Trubisky. Um, And it's not even going to be Jeff Driscoll tomorrow because he's got a hamstring injury. So Detroit will be starting their third string quarterback, uh, whose name is, as I check my notes, David Blow or David Blau. I I don't know how you pronounce that because I've never heard of the guy. I I hope it's not Blow for his sake because that's a terrible name. Too many jokes. Too many jokes if it is. Terrible name to walk around in life with. I believe Bluff might also be appropriate. (laughs) <laughs> that's also a, a not 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 so much of a good name to have. Oh, you're the bluff guy. Oh, you're just bluffing. Uh, but whoever this guy is is the quarterback for the Lions tomorrow, undrafted free agent. And no, I don't have any notes on how good he he was or what he did at Purdue University. I don't yeah, know anything. Dude, about all him. I know is he went to 
Purdue. Yes, that's all I know as well. So with that, the line, of course, has been bouncing and moving in wildly different ways. And now with this news coming out, being made official a few hours ago, that it's going to be David Blau Bluff Blow. Uh, the spread at the moment now is five. Chicago gives five points tomorrow at Detroit. Yeah, so the announcement, obviously, undrafted rookie free agent starting a quarterback against a Bears defense. That is still pretty good. They held the Giants down. Yes, they gave up the garbage time touchdown at the end. This feels to me like that game that you've been waiting for from this Bears defense. This this feels like the Eddie Jackson two-pick-six type game. Um, shortening up the field, turning this kid over, give him some exotic looks. You know, he, maybe Khalil Mack comes back from off the milk carton and starts making some plays again. And I honestly, I don't see this going very well for, well, I don't even know how to say this guy's name. I mean, <laughs> I hope the announcers know how to say the name, but I don't, that's, that's even going to be doubtful. This is going to be what Buck and Aikman probably. So yeah, have fun with that tomorrow, folks. Um, <laughs> I will go ahead and I will uh, take the bears and uh, yeah, I, the lions were a tough out early. I think this all culminated with them almost beating the chiefs. Uh, how long ago does that seem like? It was like about, September. Like that about four like, years ago. Yeah, that feels like forever ago. I mean, that doesn't even feel like the same team anymore. And now they just came off of losing at Washington, which is embarrassing enough in its own right. I, I think the Bears take care of business here. And I'll give I'll gladly give the five, even though that spread has moved a full point and a half since the announcement was made. Yeah, Khalil Mack did start to wake up again and come off the deck a little bit against the Giants, made a big play, uh, forcing a fumble. So, yeah, I completely concur. I don't have too much else to add. Uh, This was indeed the game that I thought I should lock up. This this feels like the Bears should dominate and and take this kid, whoever his name is. Uh, The announcers are paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to get the name right, or if if it's Buck and Aikman, millions of dollars. Uh, Whoever they are are paid many, many, many more dollars to know what the name is and get it correct. So I'm sure they'll have it correct. I have no idea. I've never heard of them, and I'm not going to. If I got it wrong, so be it. You know, I, I don't get paid to know exactly how to, how to pronounce it. Uh, the only Bears injury news is Taylor Gabriel will not be playing, um, but they've. it doesn't seem like uh, uh, Trubisky focuses on him anyway. When he's uh, his back's against the wall and he's uh, felt like he had to up his game uh, in this past game against the Giants on Sunday, he pretty much focused only on Allen Robinson. So uh, that pretty much is going to be the guy that he goes to uh, at all times. Um, but yeah, this feels like a very under, uh, a very low game. Uh, love the under, love the Bears giving the five. If they don't win by two possessions, I'd be a little surprised because there, there's no reason not to. Um, yeah, I, I definitely concur. I, I got 17 to seven in this one. In a snooze fest. Uh, moving on to the afternoon game tomorrow, it's the Buffalo Bills and the Dallas Cowboys. That should be the best game of the day by a mile. Uh, the Bills at eight and three. We've talked a, a lot about them earlier in our recap show. How impressive they've been. Cowboys now at six and five with that loss to New England. Uh, very quick turnaround, chance to rebound off of that bad weather game, um, but they have a very tough, stout defense that they have to rebound against. 
Despite that, the Bills are six-and-a-half-point dogs down in Big D at the Cowboys. Yeah, that move, that move, I felt a lot better when this was seven because I've been on the Bills here all week. Um, I, I mean, the Cowboys, everybody's loving what Dak Prescott's doing, and we know that they have the most talent. But, man, that that Bills team, just they, they don't get blown out. They find a way to hang around, and they annoy the hell out of their opponent, and their defense makes plays, and they get the turnovers, and Josh Allen has been effective enough and he is, like you said, he's he's shown some growth. Uh, he, more uh, Lamar Jackson gets all the buzz for all of his running, but Josh Allen is a very effective running quarterback. Makes a lot of big plays running the ball with his feet, picking up third downs, um, scoring touchdowns. I've, I've been impressed with what the Buffalo team has been able to do with, with, with what you have deemed the project in, in Josh Allen. And the defense is... You know, like nobody talks about this team. How much of this spread is just because of the fact that it's Buffalo? I mean, we, we're giving a team almost a full touchdown that's two games clear of the home team. I mean, how much of this right. is Dallas love and people just looking at the Buffalo Bills going, well, Buffalo, Buffalo stinks. No, Buffalo's a pretty dang good football team. And even if they do lose this game, it will be close. So I do expect low scoring, close stays under the number, and I would not be shocked if the next thing you know, at the end of the game, you look up and the Bills won by a point. Uh, injury news, uh, Robert Foster has a bad hamstring for the Bills. Uh, he's not expected to play. Leighton Vander Esch for the Cowboys has already been ruled out. That's resulted in our one of our favorite guys, one of our favorite punching bags to make fun of. Sean Lee has been out there uh, making a lot more plays for the Cowboys because of Vander Esch's injuries. So you know what that means. It's probably about time for Sean Lee to pop something on national television tomorrow, uh, right in front of everybody. Uh, he's due for something like that. Yeah. Bills are four and one on the road this year. Dallas is three and two at home. Uh, Cowboy, Cowboys are very impressive or were very impressive uh, for, for the first half of the year to look like one of the better teams in football. They've, they've fallen on a little bit of hard times lately. Uh, so, that's, I guess, why you get such a big spread. But, yes, I, I agree that people are sleeping on the, the bills as far as the betters go. I'm not surprised at all that the, the spread is going down and money is being put on the bills. It's probably going to be more money on the bills. I would suspect it would be probably a six-point dog by the time the game kicked off. Um, so this is going to be a, a, a matchup to watch is the Cowboys – actually are all the way up to the number one passing offense now behind Dak Prescott in the league. And I never, when this season began, would have thought that that would be possible. And, and of course, I'm not going to say that they would finish the year number one, but it's it's late in the year. They might. We're three quarters of the, of the way through the season. So they may go all the way. Dak Prescott, I've talked about his decision-making and, and the way that he's been playing this year has been very very impressive. He's looking for that contract, and, and he just might get it. Uh, but that's going up against the number three ranked pass defense in football, the Buffalo Bills. They've been stout for a few years now. Uh, they continue to to be quality in that back end, specifically a, a sort of banged-up Amari Cooper probably will be guarded one-on-one -on -one all day by Tredavious White, and that should be a great matchup to see. Uh, but you know, Dak has been taking advantage of his other weapons. And when, when Amari hasn't been able to play at his best, uh, he's found Michael Gallup. He's found uh, 
other receivers. Randall Cobb has had a, a heck of a last few weeks. Uh, so, yeah, this is going to be a very good game, and I do still have Dallas on top, but I don't have it low scoring. I think it's actually going to be a little bit up and down. Uh, I respect what Project has been doing. I respect the Bills' defense, and I respect the, the fact that the elements will not be an issue down in Dallas. They'll actually have some uh, ability to play in, in some good elements. And I got Dallas uh, putting up 26 and, and the Bills hanging in there and putting up 24. You're right. They don't get blown out. They stay right with teams. And uh, if Buffalo won the game, it wouldn't surprise me either. So I'm with you on that one. We both uh, are two for two on the same picks tomorrow. We both had the Bills and the points. All and right. Thanks. And the Thanksgiving night game, which promised to be a lot better when the season began, is going to be New Orleans at Atlanta. That's a rematch of week 10 where the Falcons surprised everybody by going into New Orleans and winning 26 to nine, um, stopping a six game losing streak. And we thought rising up off the deck and, and coming uh, back from the dead, but uh, maybe they might've died again last week. But in any event, uh, the three and eight now Falcons uh, are at home. They are six and a half point dogs hosting Drew Brees and the nine and two saints. This was the one I thought about locking up. I don't think there's any way that the Saints are going to be had the way they were had last time. I think they're going to go down to Atlanta and give that give that Atlanta squad just a little bit taste of their own medicine here and some comeuppance after what Atlanta dropped on them two weeks ago. I don't think they're going to be caught unawares this time. I understand that Atlanta and New Orleans, they always play a tough game and they always match up. Yeah, Atlanta got them. And, you know, a professional, well-coached team usually isn't going to be had twice. Uh, I love the Saints. I thought about seriously locking this up, but I'm going to go ahead and take Saints squish. Uh, injury news, Devontae Freeman returns at running back for Atlanta, but Julio Jones has a shoulder injury. There's a chance he's not going to be out there. Uh, the bigger news for me, why I'm, why I'm picking this game, is New Orleans has got serious problems on the offensive line. Uh, the whole left side is out, uh, Teron Armstead and Andrews Pete who broke his arm actually against Atlanta um, in that first game. They're both not going to play. I think that's how Atlanta got New Orleans was the team speed and the defense getting to Drew Brees. One more time, I'm going to go with the Falcons. I think they're going to get him again. I'll take Atlanta. I'll take the points. More on our after show when we come back. All right, into our VIP after show program. You just can't quit the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, guess what? I just can't quit the Atlanta Falcons. I'm going to keep picking the Falcons. I don't know how long I'm going to keep doing it, but one more time, I'm going to go. Oh, man. So that's the only that's the only excitement in our week here, <laughs> uh, in our Thanksgiving, is the game I'm not even going to be able to stay up to watch because I have to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to go to work on Friday. Oh, yeah, I won't. I probably won't watch the, past the first half myself because I have to work Friday as well. Although I don't have to get up at four in the morning. Um, but yeah, that's the only one we're different on. Yeah, I just knew yeah. you were trying to to lock up the Bears because of the Detroit and the and the quarterback situation. But no, I, I thought about it, but when the number jumped, when you know, when the number went from three and a half, where three three and a half, where it was sitting, and then it jumped up to five. And this is the Bears and the Bears offense. So I I know I think I know I locked up the did I lock up the Bears earlier this year, I think against the Vikings. One of my wins. Um hmm. 
So I may have had that one. Check that. Yeah, when the Bears played the Vikings, I think I actually had them locked up because of the Vi- uh, because of the, the whole Kirk Cousins thing. <laughs> That's right. Kirk, is Kirk Cousins playing against a winning team? Yes. Yes. Well, therefore, <laughs> you had to go against it. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that was early in the season. So that was very early in the season before we kind of knew what the Bears were going to be. When I think we were, you know, and that's the problem that you run into it for the first two or three weeks is a lot of times you're still informing your opinion of a team based on last year. There it is week really four. Have. Yeah, that's all you really have to go off of, and uh, the Bears haven't really done anything since then, and. Uh, yeah, I, I did not think about locking that one up. No, the one that really jumped out to me was the Saints. Looking, I think the Saints are going to get a little revenge here. Okay. So, I mean, I know you, I know you, I know you gotta, I gotta, gotta keep pumping your uh, your Super Bowl bound Falcons. Yeah, I think that's probably why I feel that, like Atlanta's going to get them again is more so than anything. That's my team. I'm still going with my team. I'm still. Pretending like they're uh, they're actually a quality team that's just waiting for the right break. That's all. Yeah, that's all. That's it is. It. Yeah, the things just went south for them, you know, and they had some bad breaks and lost a game. They they lost a game, but on a missed extra point, I believe, with Matt Bryant missed oh. an extra point that would have tied the game. They had that early. I mean, they yeah, they've they've had some they've had some issues, but then they also completely uh, ghosted from competitive football there before they went on that little two game uh, mini winning streak. And uh, yeah. They're... Yeah, one of the first one of those games was the Saints. So that was probably one of the most shocking outcomes of the year when that one win Falcons team went down to the the Superdome and just I mean it wasn't even it wasn't even close. It was not no, competitive were, football. I don't think the Saints are going to let that happen again. They were both coming off buys, and Atlanta was one and seven, and New Orleans was seven and one. So it was no surprise to anyone that. New Orleans was a 13-and-a-half point 13 favorite. 13-and-a-half, yeah. And Atlanta rolls them up 26-to-9 and shocks the world. Um, and, of course, I had Atlanta in that one and uh, thinking, hey, you know, they're coming back from this terrible start to the season that they had. They're completely out of playoff contention. And everyone's talking about the coach, Dan Quinn, is, is, is pretty much uh, the walking dead. So, hey, maybe they'll come through and, and play for their coach and, and have a, a, a nice game against the division rival, and that's what wound up happening. And then they come back against another division rival uh, in Carolina and go and, and, and just destroy them at Carolina outdoors, which was another big shocker uh, for most yeah. people and, and for me as well. Uh, so that's what happened leading up to last week when Naj called and let us know, hey, don't get fooled. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. The white um, mouse and, will explode. <laughs> he was telling us. Yeah, we, we both ignored him and took him over Tampa Bay, and that, that didn't work out for us. Okay. But one more time, I'm going to go with the Falcons. I'm not getting married to them or, or committing to them for the whole <laughs> rest of the year, but one last time, I'm, I'm going to go with Atlanta. All right. Especially after last week when Tampa goes in there and, you know, when we were both on board with them after that little winning right. streak and we thought, oh, man, Atlanta, you know, man, they're back from the dead. You played the Undertaker music for them and then nope. No. That, it, that, again, like a, it went right back to looking like a FedEx team there. Well, as you said, uh, 
Jameis Winston and the and the Buccaneers can be so aggravating and frustrating because Very. you think you're gonna gonna get that Jameis Winston game and you're gonna get Jameis doing Jameis things and uh-huh. he gives you a little bit of that, but he in in addition he gives you the quality play and the good throws that he's capable of giving you if he could just harness that and, and be more consistent. So you, you just never know with with, with Jameis. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. just so weird uh, watching some of these teams that you don't know from one week to the next uh, who they are, what kind of uh, effort they're going to give. Uh, are the New York Jets going to be one of those teams that nobody wants to play the rest of the year? Who knows? Uh, Sam Darnold gives you those flashes every now and then, and he gave you a, a, another great showing this past Sunday. But will that keep up? Who knows? Is, you know, does anyone really have a, a, a beat on the New York Jets? Uh, right. I, I know I don't. They're playing the Bengals. They're playing the Bengals. So you would think. You, know, you would. Jets keep rolling. But you, you, you never know. And and Cincinnati coming back with Red Rifle and, and installing Andy Dalton as a starter again. Uh, will that be a spark? Who and, and Andy Dalton through the years, has he not had some great games where we go, oh, wow, look at that. And he's also had some games where we go, oh, my God, oh, that's some awful yeah. football. Thursday night, any Thursday night <laughs> Andy Dalton game. So, who knows? There's absolutely no telling with that one. So, yeah. yeah another, I, another, uh, another week, I know we have a full slate this week, uh, all 16 teams playing. But, yeah, I'd, uh, you know, very uh, – yeah, maybe four – I want to say four really good games – this week, you know, you got San Fran, Baltimore, um, New England, Houston, Minnesota, Seattle, and I do believe that Oakland KC might not be a good game, but it is an important game. Yeah, record-wise, if you think Marga has right. any chance, then that's they're going to have to win that one in order to, to keep up. And I don't want to put the uh, Tennessee Indy game in there because that, that <laughs> AFC South, man, that AFC South is just – all four of those teams are the same damn team. Right. You, you just look at that game and who are you going to pick? You just throw your hands in the air. I don't know. Yeah. Between the, yeah, Texans, Colts, Jags, and Titans. Just, yeah. I don't know. But whoever comes out of that division is destined to play it Saturday on, at, at 3.30 on Saturday. We know that. <laughs> That's right. 4.30, 3.30 Central. Wild card football. No doubt. Uh, but yeah, San Fran, Baltimore, we'll talk about it Saturday night yeah. when we pick it, but that's the one I am really looking forward to. I, I think if there's any defense that's going to have an answer for Lamar Jackson, I think that's the one, isn't it? Uh, unless you are a part of the brigade that really believes in what the New England Patriots have done defensively this year, which I really don't. Uh, but yeah, if, if, if there's anybody that's going to figure it out, it's, it's San Francisco. They're they're number one in in pass defense this year, uh, better than the, the than the New England Patriots now, who are number two. Um, yeah, and the and the Patriots had no answers for that Baltimore offense either. Right, none. That that's why New England is number two because they ran into Lamar Jackson. So now we'll yeah. see if San Fran can do any better. Yeah, I mean, you don't get a lot. I mean, ten and one, nine and two. You know, we've got Minnesota, Seattle, which is actually a huge playoff implication type game for uh, playoff seeding. Yes. So yeah, yeah big game. Couple division uh, leaders. New England going to Houston. Another 
tough game for New England going on the road, and this time it won't be torrential rain, I would guess, in a dome. Yeah, there, there won't be in, uh, any weather issues, but they're playing Deshaun Watson, who doesn't know how to get rid of damn football on time. So That's, that's true. That, that's what gives you pause for, for the Texans there. Yeah, so we'll see. Some good games, and then there's a lot of uh, forgettable games this week. Yeah, definitely. But uh, th- those three right there are, are real special. Uh, you you don't usually get three games that are really, really good games and really important games uh, uh, right. at this stage of the season. So in, in that respect, this is going to be a real good uh, week 13, at least after yeah. Thanksgiving is over. I'm excited. Yeah, Thanksgiving is going to be a blur tomorrow. we got a lot of people coming over here. So I know my kids will have me up at 6 o'clock no matter what. So probably getting to be time to go to bed so I can get up at six o'clock and start cleaning the house and getting things, uh, getting things ready. But yeah, we got, we'll probably have about 16 people here tomorrow. That's that's a big Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll probably have about that many, uh, out in my wife's uncle's house, which is where we always go for Thanksgiving. So, right. Uh, At least when I have to, you know, cook the whole thing as always, we're doing the Turkey and bringing it with us. Uh, so should be another fun Thanksgiving uh, where we are as well. Yeah, it's my favorite holiday. You know, it's the only holiday where you get the the the, the best meal and you get the, the football all day now. Now, especially now in the last few years where they've added in that Thursday night game. I'm sorry, we're gonna get the thir- <laughs> the the special Thursday night edition of Sunday night football. Oh. Get that damn branding right. Oh, okay. <laughs> Make sure you get the branding right. It's so important. Yeah, that, that uh, and for DVR purposes, you have to go in and figure that out because you're expecting the Thursday night telecast on Fox or NFL Network, or whatever. And no, it's it's the NBC. You got to go find it on NBC if you want to record it. So that's that's actually important to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, if you actually look, it'll probably say Sunday Night Football on your <laughs> program schedule. Oh God, yeah, it's it, it, it so strange. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. Get up, do some cleaning, put the parade on. We just got we just got dumped with snow, so we're gonna have a very white Thanksgiving here. Man, yeah, yeah heavy, the, heavy stuff too. I was out there the shoveling pictures. this morning, and yeah, I was out there shoveling this morning, and every I would say every shovel full of snow that I picked up was probably 25 pounds, maybe 30 pounds. Cause it was that thick and heavy of the snow. And Oof. so you remember shoveling mm-hmm. that's so heavy that you can't launch it. You have to carry it to your destination yeah. and drop it. Yeah. And when you're, when you're out in the middle of a, a driveway and you can't launch the snow, you have to walk the snow over to the pile and then let go of it. So I, yeah, I got my full workout in this morning in that 6 a.m. hour, um, you know, from about 6 o'clock in the morning until about 20 after 7. My wife and I were out there, and she started in the front, and I started in the back, and about an hour and a half later, we met in the middle, and we were all done. The kids were out there with us. They weren't really very useful. They weren't doing much shoveling. <laughs> Trini was making a you know, cute factor. She was making a snowman in, in the front, and... Uh, and little guy was uh, backed by me, and uh, eventually is he just got cold and he wanted to go in the house and play with the dog. Yeah. He told me at one point, though, he was going to go build an igloo 
which I was, I was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> Go for it, kid. <laughs> yeah, these kids. The stuff that comes out of their mouths, I tell you. Imagination. He, he yeah. sees an igloo and he thinks he can do that. He has no idea what goes in it, but that's okay. So yeah, you know, it's a fun fun day. At least I get to do it at home. We don't. Last few years we've traveled for Thanksgiving, and that never really meshed well with me having to go to bed so early and get up so early on on Black Friday. So at least right. this way, I'm home. We're having a nice early dinner. Get everybody kicked out of here around five o'clock. I can have a few hours with the family, and I can get my ass to bed around uh, about the same time the kids go to bed around eight o'clock. Oh, that's that's real good. Yeah. Yeah, and be up at four. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and work a fifteen-hour day. That'll be fun. Yeah, I remember the shoveling. I remember the snow. Yeah. I had to had to make fun of it when I saw the pictures on Facebook. So I'm like, what is that stuff? I don't. What 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 are we? What is all? Oh that? yeah, you guys get half an inch of snow <laughs> down there, and it's like Armageddon. Everything oh. shuts down. Half an inch? Oh, please, no. Uh, a dusting. If the street has got a dust of snow on it at all, then uh, it, it, there's companies shutting down, schools are shutting down, uh, all those uh, supermarket shelves are clear because people think that we're not going to be able to go out of the house for the next week. Um, it's it's <laughs> insane. Right. Uh, and we'll, you know, We've made fun of it many times uh, on this show, what it's like in the South versus the other parts yeah. of the country. Uh, when you get weather, they're, they just—they're they're not expecting it, and they're not ready for it down here. They're, well, they're, no, they're, there's no equipped. They're just not equipped. They have right. no snow removal equipment. Right. The streets and sanitations aren't uh, equipped, and they're not—they're not prepared because they don't have what it takes to, to take care of yep. snow. Because most years they don't have to deal with it at all. So, but when it does happen, it, it's a rarity, and, and people do certainly panic in the streets here. But it's. Yeah. It's kind of funny to laugh at, and I can't really laugh too hard anymore after uh, a couple of years ago when we had a little snow and ice in the road, and I still drove to work, and first of all, um, I don't have the driving experience that everyone else has. I, as uh, as you know, of course, I didn't start driving until I had moved down here at the age of 35 because living in Chicago all that time, I didn't have to drive. Uh, right. Got everywhere on public transportation, so I didn't have the experience. So I'm out there trying to drive around in the snow and ice, and you know, laughing at all the the Southerners trying to drive in the in the winter weathers. Oh, you guys don't know what you're doing, ha ha ha! Uh, next thing I know, I'm driving on the shoulder and didn't know I was on the shoulder because that's how much. Oh no, uh, that's how little experience I had driving in the stuff. The the roads were covered. It was snowing. It was coming down steadily, and but it was it was not something where I should have been that disoriented where I'm driving thinking that I'm in the left lane and I'm actually driving on the shoulder. I had no idea where I was. Um, and then finally get off of the uh, interstate on the street to go to work. And so happy that I got out of the snow and I made it and nothing happened, uh, turning into my job a little too fast and wind up skidding and slamming into the curb and hit my head on the in, inside the car. Uh, so oh. I can't make too much fun of, of, of Southerners anymore because I clearly didn't know what I was doing in, in the winter conditions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, my drive into work this morning was, uh, it was about 20 minutes longer than usual, but I made it and the roads were drivable. And then, you know, because it was, this was what I didn't mind about this snowstorm. Yeah. Even though the snow was heavy, it was that real, it was that real, you know, packed tight snow. So there's a lot of water. 
like ice and sleet and everything all mixed together. And it was that slushy snow. So it's the stuff that melts super fast. Right. And as you know, and we got it, you know, everything fell when it was right around, you know, freezing mark. And then during the day today, it warmed up above freezing. All the roads cleared off by the time I left work and was driving home tonight. I, I was driving out. I drove home on almost perfectly clear roads. Well, that was great. That was nice. It was nice to be able to just, you know, get on the highway and do, do the, you know, do 70 instead of doing 40 all the way to work. So. Yeah, Wisconsin, yeah. Michigan, uh, Minnesota, all you all yeah. you guys got it. Y'all really got it today. And We got it, of... yeah. I know over in the Twin Cities, they were expecting, they were anticipating around a foot of snow. Yeah. Uh, we a ended up of... probably somewhere in that six to eight inch range. I know we're expecting another few inches uh, Friday night into Saturday, and then a few more uh, Sunday uh, as well. So, yeah, it's just, it's starting a little early here, but. It's Thanksgiving time. By the time you get to Thanksgiving, you start expecting snowstorms here. So this is all right on schedule. Right. And the kids um, and loved so, it. Of course they did. They didn't have to drive in it. They did um, not. Somebody I work with that is got family from Chicago was driving up to Chicago uh, for Thanksgiving. And I think going up there might be okay but uh, when it's when they go back uh, this weekend, when they go back Sunday, I think it's going to be a problem. So uh, every just stay safe out there is all I can tell you. I, I can't imagine driving uh, up, uh, all the way to Chicago uh, in, in in bad winter conditions or coming back in bad conditions. Uh, that's 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 tough. But my wife and I have that decision when we do get up to my family in the winter. Do we want to drive and risk that, or do we want to fly? and risk all the travel delays and bad weather uh, that, that, that flying uh, right. comes with. Do you want to be on an airplane in, in a snowstorm? Is that better or worse than driving? You know, so that, that's the, that's the choice you got to make. It's uh, better because to worry they about can always year. just divert you to another airport until the storm blows over. Yeah, we've never been in something that bad, thankfully. Yeah, uh, no, I've, I've landed in, on an icy runway, and that's probably the worst I've had. Sliding down the runway, everybody looking around like, shouldn't the plane be stopped by now? Oh. That was in Minneapolis, uh, mm. flying back uh, flying back to Minneapolis from when I was out in Montana one time and flying back into Minneapolis, and it was uh, a bunch of ice on the runway. And even the when the flight attendants are looking at each other going, uh-oh, something's wrong, you know there's something wrong. <laughs> And then finally, uh, the, yeah. finally, the pilot, I think, had just had enough and just slammed on the brakes. And everybody just, like, launched forward in their seat, and we hard stopped. Uh, don't know how close to the end of the runway we came, and I don't want to know. You walked I off hate, the plane. That's all you know. I hate flying. I lived. That's all I needed to know, right? That's it. Uh, yeah, that's the the worst weather condition I've ever been in in a plane was – uh, similarly, where the the when you know the uh, flight attendants are kind of giving each yes. other the bug eye and looking at each other, um, it wasn't a landing or takeoff. It was just really really bad turbulence. Like mm-hmm. felt like felt like you were in a car going ninety over potholes. It was that bad and just up and down and bumping and bouncing around. Um, and it was where the flight attendants are looking at each other, and it was where um the the people in the, the row in front of me. Uh, knew the people that were in the row across from us. They 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 all knew each other, 
So at one point, this one girl couldn't have been more than probably 18, 19, 20. Uh, at one point during all this turbulence, looks at the people across the aisle that she knows. She looks at the people in front of me and just mouths the words, bye-bye. And I'm like, no, don't do that. Let's oh, they were, that wow, bad. they were saying their final goodbyes, huh? Yes, yes. She Damn. thought it was that bad that we were about to go oh, down. And no. It was pretty bad. Okay. It was pretty bad. I'll I'll admit, but we, we survived. <laughs> we got through it, but that was oh, that was not a man. good feeling. And I'm there yeah, on the yeah, plane no, I completely can... alone, and you can imagine how I felt seeing that. Like, oh fuck, I'm gonna die oh. in front of a bunch of people yeah, I don't I... know who they are. <laughs> I've never been a big fan of flying either, so I don't. Yeah, I, I get tons of anxiety when I fly. I just don't like it. Yeah, yeah, a lot of, there's a lot of people like that. I, I actually love it, that incident notwithstanding. <laughs> Got it. Uh, so, yeah, well, I wish you, I, I, I'm ready to go to bed. I'm I'm fading here pretty fast, so I wish you and your wife and your family a beautiful Thanksgiving, and I hope you lose your pick against me tomorrow, <laughs> eat a lot of food, get fat and happy, and Enjoy your uh, enjoy your weekend. You get the four days here, or you got to work on Friday. I'll be working Friday and Saturday. Yeah, well, that'll be me. So yeah, I start back to work on Friday. I won't be off again till Tuesday. So tomorrow will be my day to enjoy. Uh, all day home with all the family. Nice to have everybody over here. It's yeah, I love Thanksgiving. Yep, I do too. Uh, definitely happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, and and all of your. Loved ones, and then tell them I said hello, and go Falcons, go Dirty Birds. No. <laughs> you got to quit them. Eventually I will, but, but not, not tomorrow. I, I just don't know how to quit you. <sighs> One more time. All right. Uh, you are Jay. I am Dre. Hey, I got our names right. This has been in much less detail, the podcast, the pre-Thanksgiving Triple Gobble Edition. Thank everybody for listening, all of you people enjoy your Thanksgiving as well. What do you mean, you people? Um, and be safe out there, please, and, and all these adverse conditions. And I don't have any, uh, I don't have physical for you for doing the, uh, the the snow shoveling and all the work that you guys are doing out there, getting your aerobics in. If I had a physical queued up as an outro, I would definitely play it for you guys. I, I don't have that. Um, this is the best I can do for you. I'll give you a little, uh, give you a little flash dance for you. Everybody enjoy your football tomorrow. Enjoy your Thanksgiving and be back with us live Saturday at nine o'clock central to make our picks for week 13 in the NFL. Talk to you then.